Welcome to another episode of Fend for Yourself Friday. Had to do an emergency podcast this week. A mailbag was promised and a mailbag will be delivered as a Thanksgiving special to be released on Wednesday of next week. I called it an emergency pod because I got final notice that the Drayton Curling Club had finally completed all of its renovations and is just now putting ice down for their 2021 Christmas bond spiel. Uh, the, the people in charge of the Drayton Curling Club really came together to do an amazing job taking a curling club that was on the brink of closing and turning it into a, a very beautiful facility. Uh, they put a lot of hard work and effort into it, and I wanted to go ahead and highlight them uh, by bringing on one of their board members, Tom Helcrow. Uh, Tom and I were college roommates, and if you wait till the end of the podcast, you'll also hear that he was the best man in our wedding, and we're going to discuss... Uh, our bachelor party trip to Glacier National Park. So go ahead, buckle in, and I promise next week all the questions will be answered, including those sent via voice message. So look for that on Wednesday of next week. All right, see you guys on the other side. Thanks. to another episode of Fend for Yourself Friday. Uh, this Friday, I promised a mailbag, but I decided to switch it, or did I, wait and see, because we have to have an emergency podcast to invite my old college roommate, uh, two-door-down neighbor, and all-around friend, Tom here. Tom, are you there? I've never had an introduction quite uh, quite that extravagant. Would you I'm say... Blushing a little. You maybe can even see it through the podcast. The podcast is not a great medium for visual. Yeah, but you can picture it. I'm not sure I've ever seen you blush in my entire life. Well, you've never given me an introduction like that. That's fair enough. <laughs> so you and I grew up pretty close to each other. Would you say that? Yeah, you grew up closer to me than I did to you. That sounds like it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, two doors down. Uh, it's close enough. It's it's two, three. It's well. It's, it's three doors down and across the street. Not, not the band. Not the band. We do okay. like kryptonite, though, correct? Well, who doesn't? <laughs> One of America's best songs. Yeah, it's a real anthem up here. <laughs> so we're, we're bringing you on this emergency version of the podcast uh, because you have big news. Oh, the biggest. The biggest since the... Uh... It's the Great Wall of Drayton, 97 flood, flood fight. We fought the waters back and, and kept what you're currently working on alive, which is the Drayton Curling Club. That's what the whole dike system was about. <laughs> Keeping the Drayton Curling Club alive. You maybe didn't know this. Maybe you did. North Dakota's oldest, right here, 58225 Drayton. I actually have a very ill-fitting beanie that says <laughs> Drayton Curling Club. Uh, North Dakota's oldest. <laughs> Do you think you're wearing the only Drayton Curling Club beanie in Loudoun County? I'm not, because my friend Mike uh, is a <laughs> huge fan of the Drayton Curling Club. <laughs> well, it's nice to see some East Coast support. He's never been there, but he's a he, big fan. He feels like he's there right now, probably. Well, we happen to have this uh, this raffle. You've maybe heard of it out there. News travels pretty fast. Where uh, there's 350 tickets sold, 
$300 a ticket. And first prize is $45,000 towards a vehicle you're choosing from two local dealerships, CNM Ford uh, or Birchwood Chevrolet and Cavalier. And then, and then there's also other prizes. Second place would be five thousand dollars, and twenty five hundred. And then fourth through eighth is five hundred dollars cash. So if that I is, didn't, if I didn't need a second vehicle, because there's something else I could do besides take forty five thousand dollars towards a car. Well, who couldn't use a second vehicle? But yes, there is another option: thirty five thousand dollars cash. It really can't beat this offer. I will even personally deliver it to you, just you. There's no easier way to get currency transferred, is there? There isn't. <laughs> it's just isn't. you driving. Yeah, deliver it. It's, it's uh, just like the Pony Express, really. Except for it's you driving a, probably a ridiculous vehicle? More than likely. What would you say is your most ridiculous vehicle that currently runs? Well, let's start with my most reliable vehicle. That's Which fair. has got to be a 1993 Ford Tempo. It's it's a real diamond in the rough, you know. It's uh, it's it's four hundred and thirty-eight thousand miles on it. It's, it's never left me or any of its other previous owners on the road. So that being said, it has to be my most reliable vehicle. Did it previously belong to your uncle? Yes, it did, and he sold it to me for the low low price of free, which then ended up costing me eight dollars to license it. It's an affordable buy. It was a pretty good investment. Pretty good. I, I would assume this 1993 Ford Tempo is loaded. MP3 player, digital it's, video. It's got everything. Uh, doesn't have anything, actually. It's got clear coat paint. No passenger mirror. No tape deck. No tilt. No air. No cruise. Currently, I have no heater uh, either. How is that working for you in North Dakota? Not as not as good as it could. You probably I, couldn't fix it though, because you're not very handy. You're correct. Not handy at all. Luckily, I have a spare parts temple. And when I get around to it, when I'm done making ice for North Dakota's North Dakota's oldest curling rink, I'll probably get my heater working. When you although say, we're so tough up here that we don't even need heaters. I'm going to call you out on that and say you definitely do. I owned a 2009. Um, <laughs> Toyota Prius that didn't have heat. A real chick magnet, if I remember right. Uh, my wife liked it. My sister liked it as well. Um, it got great gas mileage. I one time got 58 miles of the gallon driving between Williston and Glasgow, Montana. You also got into a race for the Ford Temple. And I think I won. Yeah, you did. You um, did. Different eras. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the same horsepower, but the extra the extra electric motors really gave me the, the gumption I, I needed. I only had gas motor running. I didn't kick in the hybrid on the Tempo. Three, four cylinders you had banging in there? Yeah, I had four. Some of them working, yeah. Am I generally known as a good driver? <laughs> you haven't had any accidents. I'm accident-free except for deer, which it's not really your fault. Yeah, sometimes they run into you. If you have hit a deer, there's really not a lot you can do about it. No, no. I was I was hunting years ago and came up after a long day of freezing and not seeing a single deer. And uh, about a half a mile away from my hunting land, a deer came out of the ditch, ran next to me, and then decided to run into the side of my door. 
That's the only deer I saw all day. Uh, was the deer okay? I just bounced off. That was my Bronco. Is the Bronco okay? Didn't hurt it a bit. It's made with American iron. Now you're putting that Bronco back together. How is that going? Well, it's it's more apart than together, I would say, at the moment. Now, the reason you're on the podcast today, though, is because of the curling rink in Greater Drayton. Oh, yes. It's, uh, it's on the west side of Main Street. So it's safe from the flood. I would not agree with that, but continue. <laughs> yeah, North Dakota's oldest. Yeah, went through a little re- uh, renovation project here. Uh, started and honestly, my years are getting a little mixed up because this kind of bled in, bled in from a year before and into this year. And I, I think I, I think my first match is going to be the 2019 League Championship match. I believe. That was that was the last match. No, that was the last match scheduled, and we didn't get to play it. So, I think that's the first game I'm playing because I'm in the 2019 league championship round in 2022. You're going to play the 2019 championship in 2022? I'll probably get it in in 2021 here, actually. Uh, Our ice is good to go here within the next two days. So, yeah, yeah, probably just sneak it in at the end of 2021. Who, whose club are you playing on? What, what team are you on? Uh, I'm, I'm playing with Blake Johnson. Uh, Brett Christensen and Cole Anderson, except Cole, I think, maybe moved to Bemidji. So we may be just three-banging it for this championship game. So we don't Unless, normally use last names. It's normally the goal to not use last names, but I don't think Brett's going to have a problem. I'm, I'm using last names. <laughs> in, in curling, you do use last names, correct? It's on everybody's jersey. Yeah, it's your are last you, name. Are you the skip? I am the skip. We don't have jerseys, but big-timers do. So you're the Tom Helcrow rink, correct? I would I would agree with you on that. I don't okay. know if I'm deserving of it, but yes. And who are you playing against? Ooh, this is tough. They've won almost every year since the beginning of time. The Grand Jaleski rink, composed of double Grand Jaleskis, uh, a, a Stellan. I'm not using first names. I'm switching this all around on you. And then I can't remember who was on their team. Who else? May have been a Weimer that year. I'm not maybe, sure. Maybe it'll be a three-on-three game. Oh, those are the best. You can do three-on-three in curling, right? You absolutely can. So it's tough. You get a lot of it's, it's a lot of sweeping. But anyway, yeah. So we've done a major project here, starting with a total deconstruction of what was a floor at one time uh, when we took it over eight years ago or something, the floor had, had cracked and kind of gone to pieces. And, and so it was time to take it out. A lot of local help took the floor out, new floor in, uh, got a very nice pour on the cement, super flat, super level, and then a whole new cooling system. And we now have dehumidification, which is uh, humidity sort of your enemy in a curling rink or on any ice surface for that matter. Frost wants to build. I thought your enemy in curling was the hog line. Oh, I hate that hog line. Got a release before it. Do you ever just see how long you can go, no matter what? Yeah, I can make it to the other house, to the button with the rock, if you want me to. I, w- I would very much like to see that. <laughs> it's much easier to have a 
have a perfect shot when you never let go of it. That is true. It would make curling a lot easier. Now, I've, I've played in a, a few state club playdowns, and I'm not going to name names, but there is a certain rank out there, certain team, that their skip never releases before the hog line. And it's ironic because they have a team meeting prior to the playdown starting about how what the rules are, and one of them is to release before the hog line. No one calls them on it. Isn't there only like three rules in curling? Pretty much. Don't, don't be a jerk. Release before yeah. the hog line and call your own rules. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Yeah. So it's kind of frustrating. Uh, now we have beat him um, more times than we've lost to him. So, As a Draytonian, I'm very proud of you guys winning as many games as it takes. No, I think this is the year of, of the Drayton comeback led again by this beautiful renovation you guys did at the Drayton Curling Club. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're hoping to have uh, what we're calling premier ice. So uh, that'll be a good amount of curl, four or five feet of curl, along with a good amount of speed. So Now, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but nobody's invited to the curling club on Sunday, correct? I, I would like to agree with you, but I have to I have to disagree. We're having an open house. This so who's a big, in... a big debut? Anybody and everybody. Welcome to the Drayton Curling Club this Sunday. It's really going to be a who's who. Will anybody be... who is anybody is going to be there. Will there be fellowship? Will it be curling and fellowship? I think we'll have both. Will there be bars? I tell you what, I'm not making any, but anybody's welcome to bring them. Uh, my mom hates when I volunteer her to make bars. Um, not that I ever do it. Um, Speaking of Patty, not to interrupt, is she coming curling? Is she coming? Yes, I think she should. I encourage him. I'm a very good curler. I think all our listeners would agree. Yeah, she there's, likes to do it. There's pictures uh, upstairs in the curling club of oh. Patty as a, as a champion. She is a past curling champion. That is correct. Yes, she is. It'd be nice for her to grace her grace all of us with her presence and maybe even bless the new building. Uh, my mom actually got me a scholarship to college uh, by being part of the Drayton Curling Club. Speaking of that, I'm going to bring this right back around. We voted last week at our board. Uh, actually, it was a full membership uh, meeting to bring back the curling sponsorship. Sponsorship or scholarship? Scholarship. We so are allowing sponsors as well. So you're saying if I buy $300 worth of tickets that might win me a $45,000 vehicle, some of those proceeds are also going to further the education they of Drayton's students going to college. They absolutely are. We put a stipulation in, in place there. Um, it has to be the person receiving the scholarship has to curl. So in other words, we're trying to get younger people to come and curl. That's actually very yeah. cool. The Drayton Curling Club. I believe Club it was a thousand dollars in your in your time. I think it was more than that. Twenty five hundred in your time. I that sounds like the right number. I very much appreciate the Drayton Curling's Club, uh, Curling Club scholarship. It's a very nice thing that you guys are putting back into place. So along with this this uh, pretty massive renovation project, uh, we've continued to donate back to the community and the surrounding communities throughout the whole thing which hasn't been easy because we have 
We have uh, spent a fair amount of money on this project. We've done it as cheap as we possibly can. We've continued to donate back to good causes and uh, people in need in the community. The, the Drayton so. Clinic has a long history of that. Give me, give me a couple of examples. Yeah. So anytime anyone's sick, we usually donate uh, a fair chunk of money for, for a gas card or motel stays, something like that. Uh, there's another, there's some sort of backpack program. That, yes, there is. Yep. That uh, helps kids donate to that. Um, yeah. Kind of an endless list of things to donate to. So would you guys say that this much good in the community, which is true. It very much is. Takes a lot of bureaucracy, lots of meetings, lots of votes. <laughs> uh, you would think it would. Uh, we've we've kind of nixed the whole meetings. Don't have too many of them anymore. Uh, we meet quarterly for the gaming, which helps fund the curling club and then is what is doing all the donating. And that's where we run our raffle through is through the gaming license. But yeah, we meet quarterly there. Uh, curling club, don't really have a whole lot of meetings on that one anymore. anymore. We just work. Just text messages, correct? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it's the new wave, they say. It, it, SMS, they call it. I'm yeah. not sure what it stands yeah. for, but that's what it's called, SMS messaging. We, we've gone right right past like Zoom meetings, and we, we don't show our faces. It's just text. But you guys don't know each other anyway, so it wouldn't matter. No. <laughs> um, let's take a quick break here, and we're going to talk about this project you guys did that took a year and a half. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah, right. we thought it was going to take around six months. D triple it, though. All right, and we're back with a local man and curling club board member, uh, Tom. Tom, so your guys' project. A much, uh, a much more subdued introduction. Well, if I'm being honest, your performance is pretty flat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people don't know about curling. If we're going to talk about curling... Uh, the science behind the ice. There, there's more that goes on behind the scenes than, than meets the eye. It's not just so, freezing, freezing water. Before we get to, to just making things cold, let's go over all the work that somebody else put in to get this project on the, on, off the ground. So you guys hired it out completely from start to finish, correct? I never touched a thing. I rely on members um, really pitching in and doing as much as possible. We did decide to pay people which uh, I don't think we would have gotten any help or very, very few people help had we not paid them, me included. But no. this was real work, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of donations. We, uh, I don't have an exact number. I think we had like six or seven skid steers throughout the project in the building. Uh, some as times as many as three or four at once. Uh, we had a bulldozer in there. There was... Uh, Helms allowed us to use their payloaders and packers. Uh, there was some somewhere along the lines of 15, 15 pieces of equipment throughout this project go in and out of our door in that building. Uh, that so was all guys, in the deconstruction and then reconstruction of the floor. So you guys ripped out the cement yourselves, correct? Or what was left of the cement floor? Yep. Yep. Ripped it out. Our local uh, Helms truck line there, they hauled it all the way. I, I don't remember exact numbers. I want to say there were 40 loads of cement, busted up cement, 40 semi-loads, incredible amount. 
which then went to uh, the new elevator project in town at CHS to form a good base for their road. So, so your cement, that. the Drayton Curling Club lives on in the form of a grain bin. Yep. <laughs> it's the circle of life. That's what they say. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of, and, and all that equipment for the most part was donated, which is pretty crazy because there's lots of it in there. Um, built a new building off the side. That was the Weimers uh, built that. And that houses our new compressor system, which that's a bit of a boondoggle. We ended up having to collect money from a previous refrigeration place after we gave them a 50% down payment on a cooling system and they did not come through after 100 days of running on our money and didn't order any of it and uh, we had to go collect so then you guys had a really easy time getting the compressor here correct there was no yeah no no issues then then yeah we ordered a compressor out of Canada and they they expedited it they did a great job built it custom built and then it got hung up at the border for two weeks. And we're going so to pass that quickly. Back. Yeah, pass, that happened, I heard. <laughs> that happened. Our flooring, the pipes for the flooring, we had to push the cement back for a month because the pipes were coming out of, uh, on the east side of Canada. I don't remember exactly where. Ooh, Maritime truck... Canada is my favorite part of Canada. Yeah, there's a lot of no man's land up there and the truck broke down with all our pipe on it somewhere between here and there. So that pushed it back. Uh, the header system that the pipes hook into, that was being assembled and built in New Orleans. And they got hit by a hurricane and we called them and they said, we have no idea where your header is. <laughs> so we assumed it floated out in the ocean. It didn't. We didn't end up getting it. But there was a lot of setbacks like that. And, and once it all arrived, uh, who installed the, the pipes? Our local plumbing expert and uh, curling guru, Brandon Patterson, a full name there because he's Patterson Plumbing, master plumber, did a great job. Um, it was all fusion welded. There's no clamps. It's, it's uh, quite a system, leak-free. Uh, he did a, uh, a great job. I'm going to be honest with you. Plumbing is an impeccable skill. It, it yeah. is a trade that is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. F- full yeah. applause oh. for getting that taken care of for you guys because it did not look like an easy job. No, it, it wasn't. Uh, we had some good resources, uh, Brandon being one of them. And then just in figuring out how we wanted this whole project to go, some of the people we, we went through were current and previous head ice technician for U.S. Curling Association. And they sort of steered us in the right direction on what, what we wanted and what our parameters would be. So this project was not only a local job, but also you worked with, with experts in the field to get this done correctly. Absolutely, yeah, yep. We worked with a company out of Pennsylvania for our dehumidification. They, they do dehumidification in ice rinks, hockey, curling, uh, figure skating, all that stuff. So they're super familiar with it. They did a great job. Um, yeah, so yeah, it spanned a lot, of, a lot of area to get the knowledge. So with all of this hard work and effort that went into it, do you guys have any small board games that are that are at the curling club that maybe somebody who doesn't want to get on the ice could play? Absolutely. We've got uh, Crokinole. It's a good game. Talk about Crokinole for a second, but how much how I'm so much better than you are at it. 
I'm quite a bit better because I have uh, incredibly strong fingers compared to your weak uh, woman hands. Um, my <laughs> hands are incredibly rashy. So the joke's on you. <laughs> How's that rash coming? It's not any worse or better? So I went to the dermatologist this week. Um, Winter's a tough time for you with the dry dryness. Now, it's so much better in Virginia than it was in North Dakota when my hands would crack open and bleed for about four months. Well, this is real uh, man weather here. Uh, this is we have three we have three seasons here. We've got extended fall, early spring, and a lengthy summer. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I've been there. You, you guys also re-roofed your your. Oh uh, uh, yeah, ring. that that was <laughs> yeah. So we had a very dry summer. Maybe everywhere did here especially. And normally we're never in the curling rink in the summertime, um, but now actually we do have the ability to make ice in the summer our system is good enough our building's tight enough but it started to rain towards the end of summer and we had this nice new floor that we had just painted white and it was dripping all over it and into our new ceiling so myself and one of the other members went up into the attic and we took every bucket and pan and everything we could find in the curling club they're stashed all over in the attic trying to catch all the drips uh, so so we had to, uh, we got our local construction guy, Braden Weimer, Weimer Construction. Going to plug him. He just started this business and we hit him up and he and his brother and a couple other guys tore all the shingles off. There were two layers of shingles. Apparently two wasn't enough because it still leaked like crazy and retinned the whole building in about a week's time. So this project has been a community project all the way through from the Absolutely. economic support to the hardware people have put into it. Absolutely. It, it's a yes. real benefit to the community. We almost lost it not so many years ago. Is that correct? Very close. Very close. And anyone who's from small town, North Dakota or anywhere really that did have a curling club or a curling club nearby and it goes away, it doesn't come back. No. So we were, we were on the edge of not having a curling club anymore. Do you guys have no, any, when does curling season 2022 commence or 2021? First, uh, is is December 1st a Wednesday? Uh, checking my schedule right now. December 1st is a Wednesday, yes. That is the first night of league. And then we're having our Christmas-themed Bonspiel, which is a big hoot. Having that on uh, the weekend, is it 9th, 10th, and 11th? Is that a Friday, Saturday, Sunday? I think that's uh, The weekend would be the 10th, 11th, and 12th. There you go. We'll use those dates instead. 10th, 11th, and 12th, yeah. We actually just had a, a random guy. We don't know the team. We have no idea who they are from Fargo. Just called and asked if we had a spot for him in the Christmas bonch field. And of course, we have a spot for him. So, so if I wanted to be in the curling bonch field, uh, the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth, how would I get into it? Who would I contact? Well, you go on our Drayton Curling Club, Club Facebook page where we have our bonch field poster, and there is an email or a phone number on there. You can contact Thomas Grandjeleski. Now, I also have the actual official podcast or the official email address for the Drayton Curling Club. Do you guys still use that? I would assume we do. Is it Drayton Curling? Uh, no, it's 58225curling <laughs> at gmail.com. Yeah. It, it yeah, effectively so... hurts my feelings that I never get an email for it. <laughs> yeah, no, if, if you're checking it, we're using it then. Yes. Uh, let's check it right now. Uh, <laughs> and there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually yeah. created that email specifically for you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyone out there listening should probably email 58225curling. Is that what it was? 58225curling at gmail.com. Yeah. Register to Tom Helcrow. <laughs> Thank you. And also accessible on my phone. Yeah. Register to me. Checked by you. Checked by me. Uh, so if you guys <laughs> like more curling information, go ahead and go to Facebook. Because I don't want to be in charge of people missing out on this winter's Christmas themed bonspiel. Are, are you going to be dressing up for the bonspiel, Tom? I absolutely will be. Well, what are you yes. wearing? Well, I've got a pretty nice little get up that's maybe four, five sizes too small for me. That's the only way I want Christmas sweaters to fit. Yeah, this isn't a sweater. This is like a onesie. Ooh. Uh, it's very tight. I, I, I'm positive I will rip it on the first slide. I suggest so. having a change of clothes. <laughs> I, I can't close the front. <laughs> it's, a, it's a zipper front. You know, I ordered it uh, for last year's Bonspiel, or two years ago, for a Bonspiel. And you put on some weight it. as you're apt to do. Well, no, it may be, but... It came from China. Their sizes might be different. And it also came two months after our Christmas bond spiel. So in their defense, it still came 20 months early for the bond spiel in the end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my other teammates uh, who are different body types than me, Blake's quite a bit taller, a little heavier and Brett's a little shorter. Uh, I got them all the same sizes. So I think it should be good. It sounds like a show. Dinner and a show. Well, we do give away prizes for the best dressed. What are the prizes for the best dressed? It's been a while. Uh, I think there might be a cash prize of like a uh, hundred bucks. I think I saw that a hundred dollar cash prize. I think I did see that. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, about having the ability to make ice in the summertime, which is kind of a phenomenon up here. Not too many curling rinks have the ability to do that. They're, I think it just got over. There was the Olympic trials for Beijing 2022. So men's and women's Olympic trials. Uh, There was a team out of Minneapolis slash Fargo area. And they wanted to rent our ice. We didn't have it done in time, unfortunately. But they wanted to rent our ice this summer to practice on for the Olympic trials. That is actually really cool. Last week. Yeah. Yeah. Who won? Who's going to the Olympics? The same people that won before? Uh, I haven't seen the final tally, but yes, I think it's Team Schuster, I believe. It's a pretty exciting event back home, but the curling is a big deal. Yeah. It's, uh, I think the oldest sport. Or very that close to it. Doesn't sound accurate. I think it's right. The oldest sport. I don't I think, think it is. <laughs> it's one of the oldest sports. The oldest sport is definitely track. Golf. Um, running no, I think is the oldest it, sport. <laughs> we're not talking those. We're talking other sports. I'm pretty sure it is. Looking at it, uh, it's not an according according to oldest dot. Yeah, that, I don't believe that website at all. It's not one of the top eight, which are running, wrestling, archery, swimming. Yeah, these so are it not. Seems, it seems like the These first four are sports. just not dying. They're just not dying. Yeah. How about team sports? We're just going to go with curling's an old sport. It's an old Celtic sport, correct? Uh, it's from uh, Scotland. Yeah. 
What? Give me yep. a little talk about curling. What is the point? Because everybody knows what it is. Well, you got a rock. Interestingly enough, any curling stone you see on TV or in a club comes from one of two islands off of Scotland to this day. Kind of crazy. Certain type of granite there that is only found there. So, uh, yeah, you it's like chess on ice. The point, though, is to get the, the rock as close to the button as possible, correct? Yeah, to have your rocks closer than, than the opposing team's rocks. If you have two closer than their closest rock, you get two points. If you have one closer than their closest rock, you get one. Yeah, and you can score as many as eight on an end. So just a, just a heads up, curling looks like there was first evidence of it happening in 1511. I would call that an old sport. That is an old sport. That is decidedly a very old sport. Thank you. Not as old as being alive, though, which were the other four sports that were ahead of it. Yeah. The other four sports were just not dying. Yeah. Yeah. That's been around a while. <laughs> Surviving. So say, so say since the beginning of time. <laughs> yeah. So have That's you ever is. snuck into an international curling event? Ooh. Probably. Maybe like the 2007 World Curling Championships in Grand Forks? <laughs> One of our Possibly our current president took all of that in. Current uh, uh, Drayton Curling Club president. Uh, <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe Biden was there. He could Biden have been. Curling. He likes ice cream. That's cold. Everything cold is good. <laughs> so when you and I went to this, um, we walked into the Ralph Ingleset Arena, uh, yeah. walked into the Sioux shop, Yeah. Uh, looked left, looked right. Nobody seemed to care. <laughs> I, I barely remember. I'm remembering it as you're bringing it up. And we walked right in and sat down. You know what? It, I completely forgot I ever went to the Worlds until now. Well, you didn't pay for it. <laughs> we, we also did the same thing at a oil conference in Grand Forks at the Canad Inns. Well, yeah, we wanted to get in on that. We walked in and took in maybe 15 minutes of a, of a presentation about fracking. <laughs> yeah. Were you the keynote speaker? Uh, they one? asked, but I said no. Yeah, you weren't prepared that day. Probably could have given him a talk. We also used to do it a lot at the uh, the townhouse, which is my favorite former um, hotel in Greater Grand Forks. A wonderful little miniature golf course there. Uh, we've had several attempts at playing miniature golf at the uh, townhouse in Grand Forks. Every one of them is success. I would say that I'm probably... I'm probably up on you. I think I'm winning. I mean, I can't prove you wrong. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. We did go to that miniature golf course in, in Virginia there. And I think you won that one. Oh, that was, it's no longer there. It's been empty since you were here. It closed two weeks after you left and has not been replaced. Anybody, this is totally off topic, but there's out there who's ever tried this. These electric go karts, indoor go kart racing. You're talking about uh, Audubon, yes. Yes, Audubon. I suggest strongly suggest trying it, but I think you are probably the most improved they've ever seen. I'm not very good to begin with, so I got lots I mean, of room to. You went from starting out like how old people drive, sorta on the shoulder and sorta on the road, and you never know if they're going to turn. 
<laughs> kind of like that. Like you're just basically lap traffic. I'm being nice. To beating, I, I think you were coming in like second place every time towards the end there. Now, you were much better at the go-karts than I was. I'm totally willing to admit it. Well, thank you, but I'm pumping you up right now. I appreciate that. My spirits were low, and now they're raising. Because, yeah, you, you ended up doing very well. at the. You were on the, you were on the board. I think you're right. They actually have a – Audubon has their own racing league. Yes, they do. They do. I felt like a small-timer when people came in with their own helmets and masks. Um, I would think that if you lived in Virginia, you would do that. I might. You couldn't curl because there's no ice here, unfortunately. It is unfortunate. Yeah, it's kind of fun to do, though. So I think we've talked probably enough about curling. Maybe we should talk yeah. about some other adventures. Maybe like the time uh, we went to my bachelor party in Montana. <laughs> yeah, we took off there again in a temple. I do. If I'm going to do anything, it's going to be in a temple. And that was a different temple. That was a 92 temple. White in, uh, exterior, red interior. They don't make red cars on the inside anymore, do they? It's kind of, a, well, there are some. There are some really expensive cars that are on the inside, but like none that I want to drive. Like the Tempo, yeah. Not like the Tempo. Not with that fuzzy interior. <laughs> it's like velvet. No, the Tempo had a surprising amount of room considering we had four bikes, the world's biggest tent, um, <laughs> three people over six feet tall. <laughs> and one person five feet tall. Oh, Brock's taller than that. No, he is. Brock, Brock uh, so yeah, we took off uh, around that midnight one in the morning time for Glacier. Perfect time to leave. Yep. We made it just over the overpass. Uh, that's less than a quarter mile. And we had to come back. back. We had something rubbing. I don't remember if the fender was hitting the tire. We are bottomed out completely. Something. Anyway, we came back and hit it with a hammer a bunch of times. Kind of cured it. Yeah, it took off, uh, bottomed out, like I say, lights pointing. We could see the tops of trees very well. Could not see the lines on the road at all. We were driving at one candle watt power between Drayton and <laughs> St. Thomas. Absolutely. Rolled into Williston, where good friend and and your roommate, Brock, Clark, Romine, Bromine. I like to use full names here. I can't get out of it. You're not much for following rules to begin with, so. Now, no, and we, we ended up sleeping in his apartment while he was working. And, uh, on uh, air-conditioned apartment. Yeah, no, super hot, very, very hot. There was a game of risk going on on the floor right where we needed to sleep, I remember. Yep. yep. That was, I think we tried to move it gently, probably move some pieces. They're fine. They're, they still don't know about it. We won't, we'll edit that part out. Yep. Yeah, and uh, accordingly... Uh, Brock, he didn't bother telling his roommate that there was going to be three random guys sleeping in random spots in their apartment. That was interesting. But we're all pretty tired, so it didn't really matter. Then we took off from there, and Brock slept the entire way to Glacier after he'd been fine, slept the night before. None of us did. <laughs> yeah, we rolled into Glacier once again with one candle watt power. I think Steve was at the helm at that time and, and uh, woke up in the morning after setting up our 20 foot by 10 foot three room tent in a very beautiful Canyon. Uh, we didn't even know where we were at. We had no idea had, that there was a Canyon there. I had no idea we were in a Canyon. I just thought we were in next to a few trees. So people so, don't necessarily know this, but Glacier is probably eight hours from Williston. It was, 
It was a thousand miles from Drayton. And I'm talking eight hours in a regular car. This is a 1992 Ford Tempo uh, weighted down. It took, we didn't get in until <laughs> two, three in the morning. <laughs> no. <laughs> we didn't. Well, we couldn't see. You couldn't go very fast. Couldn't go very fast. I was terrified, Sorry. to be honest with you. You were. You were. We had a lot of straps going through the car, uh, holding our big tent and all our gear on the roof. Yeah, you couldn't close the rear windows, correct? Yeah, no, no, you could close them. We we went, we opened the doors, ran the strap over the top, through the inside of the car, hooked the straps. These are big straps, like you'd tie down a load on a trailer. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then shut the doors. So needless to say, the seal was not very tight at that point. A lot of whistling going on, a lot of air. Didn't bother, though. I don't think you could sit up. <laughs> the strap was... The strap went across your head in the back. Yeah, you had to lay it down. Was, it would have been a really it, bad scene if we gotten in an accident. Well, either that or you would have held your head from snapping forward. That sounds like science. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the next day we decided to go up the going to the sun road, kind of a historic road there. And I had a brake let go just as we started going up. All the springs let loose and the brake uh, kind of got sort of stuck on. But we we continued up the hill, if you remember, right? So people who aren't friends with you don't quite understand the, the direness of this situation. So we're driving up one of the steepest roads in North America um, <laughs> in the dead of summer. So if we have a breakdown on the going to the sun road, it's going to cause a pretty big incident at Glacier. Oh, yeah. um, it, Tom's brake literally, when he says falls off, it shoots off and rolls down a hill <laughs> in front of us. Well, a bunch of parts got mangled up inside there. Everything let go, and it sort of, sort of destroyed itself. So, so now uh, we've got one candlelight power and three brakes. <laughs> yeah, that part was uh, the the little bit of brake I did have left on that one that was functioning. If I had to use the brakes, it stayed on that one. So, um, long story short. The rest of the way down the Continental Divide, going to Sun Road and back a thousand miles home, we didn't use the brakes. This is correct. <laughs> Otherwise, it would stick on and heat up. We'd have a fire. That is correct. It was um, cautious driving on the way back. Yes. So before we even, we, we go there for a uh, whitewater rafting tour. Yeah. Before we get this far, you have been banned by science from wearing contact lenses is that correct this is true <laughs> you are not yeah. allowed to wear contact lenses well it wasn't advised advisable my eyes were in tough shape from contact so i was i was in the healing process with glasses on so and you still wear glasses to this day correct i do i have I've recently as as of recent as a year ago tried contacts and my eyes just don't don't mesh well with them anymore so we decide for no reason to take these bikes um, <laughs> that have no business being on this homemade bike rack you've created. Yeah, I welded it up the, the night that we left. Which is, if anybody knows you, is the most Tom thing to do of all time. So we take them on a walking path only. <laughs> Once again, you, the fearless leader, decide this is the right idea. Um, we get about 40 yards in. And have to abandon them. There's no. Yeah, it was strictly a walking path. So not only is it a walking path, joking. 
it's up a mountain stream for quite a ways. Yeah, glacial runoff. Beautiful. Very nice. We all decided we better take a quick dip in there. Uh, yeah. You hop in with your glasses on, and they fly off. Yeah, I gave how, up immediately. How well do you see? Not, not well enough to not have my glasses. So you're in the you're sort of in the four stages of grief right now. You're bargaining. <laughs> Yeah. You're asking me how many how many contacts I have. Yeah. yeah. Not knowing what your vision is. No, but you figure it's a better move. Nothing. Um and I would say at this point we have no deep no idea how, how deep this it's almost like a tiny pond inside of a runoff. Almost like a well. Yeah, yeah it's a little it's a little uh, they call it on gold rush where the where there's a little waterfall uh little tide pool thing. Oh, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have no idea how deep it is, but no. your glasses list, and it's pretty much, it's a trip ruiner for you. Yeah. So heroically, <laughs> I dive deep, and within four seconds, pull your glasses out. Yeah, out of a raging glacial runoff mountain stream. Probably, I would say it's probably like, because we were all four in it. Yeah, I, I gave up. I'll wholly admit, I gave up completely. Like, well, they went downstream. They're gone. Uh, somehow the, 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 the basin was deeper than the water, so it ran off about, it would say probably four feet on the right-hand side, and then the tidal pool was probably five feet deep, four feet deep, and then yeah. it, it went out the other side at about three feet, so there was quite a bit of water. Heroically, I find it. Save the Freezing trip. cold. Freezing, Freezing cold. cold. Um, I overcame a lot that day. Mostly <laughs> your also, vision. Yes. I still chose to wear your contacts. Yes, you did. And this this is what we'll get to next. So we go to the Sun Road. Beautiful, correct? Really nice. Very um, nice. Yeah. Especially sort of, in the vehicle we were in. Sort of uneventful, though. Oh, I hadn't, had it not been for the, my brakes completely disintegrating and flying apart, it, it wouldn't have been that eventful. Correct. But it was, temple, it was the temple made it over it like going over an overpass. Correct. It was as easy as pie. First gear right to the floor. Which is unbelievable because it there was probably there was definitely more gear and people than there on it than there were than the car ways. Yeah. Um, so we get over the, the mountain pass, over the sun road, absolutely beautiful. Stay at a campsite, don't pay. Ah, no, we're not paying for that. Um, talk to the guy the next day. He said he didn't care. Yeah. He's a big believer in Teddy Roosevelt. He was a great guy. Securing those lands for us local people to be able to take in the beauty. He basically just said, just buy something. Yeah. Uh, and I'm cool with it. So we did. Yeah. The next day was the big day. We went whitewater rafting. Yeah. Not on the big, not on the big uh, rafts, 15 people rafts. Uh, no, because we got there and somebody told us that you want to do solo rafts, correct? Yeah, I think they were called the duckies. They were called duckies. Tom, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you say before that your uh, skill level in whitewater rafting well, was? Tell you what, uh, I, I don't swim as well as some. I don't swim at all. Actually, I, I'm terrible at swimming. I had kayaked a little bit on a lake. That was about it. Now, the Flathead River, I believe that's what it was, correct? Flathead River? 
Uh, there's Flat Lake. We're on the we're on a branch. I want to say the north branch of the, of the yeah Flathead River or something like that. Yes, we were of the Flathead River. That is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. Very it's nice. different. Serene. Super nice. Yeah, they brought everyone up in a bus. Uh, they had the big rafts, and then they had these small ones, and we were the only ones in the small ones at at that time. Now, I'll never forget. They were called duckies, like you said. The the girl, so the people at the at the lodge or whatever you want to call it, the base camp are like, you guys should definitely do this. It'll be a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, well, they saw what we pulled up in. They knew we were adventurous. The guides, <laughs> I'll never forget. Uh, they saw them load the duckies and then saw us. And she, she looked at us and said, uh, you guys take the duckies? And I said, yeah. She said, what's your experience? He said, none. None of us had ever been in a, in a whitewater raft at all. I said, my mom did it once. And then you pointed to me and says, he can't even swim. I did. And she looked at us completely deadpan and just said, you guys are going to get wet. <laughs> she was not enthused. No, no. At that time, I'd put your contacts in. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to lose my glasses again. I, and I saw pretty well with your contacts in. Sharing is caring. Against all doctor's orders. I put them in. Uh, nice trip down the river. <laughs> so the beginning of it is beautiful. Yeah, it's like a, it's like an extremely wide, lazy river. It's probably, what do you think, 70 yards wide? Just, it's, just slow, lazy river. So what happened when it was 70 yards wide, Tom? What did I do? Well, there was a, there was a, a tree, it was pretty shallow. I mean, what would it have been? five feet right there oh i don't even think it was that deep maybe not even that maybe right in the channel five feet that'd be about it yeah there was a uh, tree that got hung up because it was so shallow a long tree that slowly emerged out of the water pointing downstream taking on altitude as it climbed out and these duckies have a pontoon one on each side and kind of a net between them they're little inflatable pontoons real light little things and you manage in, in 70 yards wide of river a six-inch wide log sticking up. You managed to get on either side of it with your pontoons, <laughs> with the, the current pushing on you. <laughs> Correct. I was totally stuck in the middle of this lake or this middle. Totally of stuck. Totally stuck on a log in the first first ten minutes of us rafting. Um, I can't get out. So you guys have now <laughs> basically turned the corner. And I think only you are left because they were the rest. Yeah. Stephen Stephen Brock were way ahead of me. So I'm the guy stuck. said stay close to him, too, so he could tell us where to go when we get to the rapids, whether it be left or right or middle, where, where the easiest path through the rapids would be for us non-experienced rafters. So somehow, someway, I, I'm, I get free of this lonely <laughs> branch, and we catch back up, and now all of a sudden, your tube on your... Oh, not yet. I'm not leaking not yet. yet. Okay. Now so we, we get to the first, very first set of rapids, maybe 20 minutes in now of nice lazy river and i'm thinking to myself oh this is pretty nice because i can't swim i'm not comfortable at all doing this not even a little bit and uh yeah i can handle this and we get the first set of rapids they didn't look too bad and the guide yells back from the big raft go left or right don't go in the middle and since you're the the guy getting married we said you got to go through the first rapid so you headed straight into the middle of it he said not to go. There was a big boulder probably sticking up five, six feet out of the water. It was huge. Water, water mostly making it over it, but exposing the top of it. 
And yeah, you hit it dead on. I followed right behind, right on your tail. And we both jumped it. Miraculously, neither one of us fell out. But in the process, I ended up uh, putting a hole in one of my one of my pontoons on the ducky. Didn't realize it right away either. It was a slow leak until we got to the next set of rapids and made it through that one. And I, I don't remember if it was you or Steve or Brock had mentioned that I'm sitting awful low on one side. <laughs> my one pontoon was folded up. It looked like a V. <laughs> for the guy who can't swim and we've got about at that point two hours probably of river left yeah I think it was about a three hour tour and a lot of rapids yeah yeah a lot of rapids so i paddled up to the the guide as quickly as i could with one deflating pontoon and he threw me a little look like a bicycle pump and said you have to pump it up so uh the spigot was in the back which was convenient so I'd hook the pump on and I had to pump with my arms backwards. <laughs> Awkward way of pumping. Pump. And so I pumped the entire time in every lazy river we'd hit. It'd be about 10, 15 minutes between each rapid. I pump as hard as I could pump to get enough air in the thing so it didn't sink. We get to the rapid. I'd take the pump off, close the spigot, tie the pump onto the front of my ducky, paddle through the rapid. As soon as we got through, I was leaked down again where it was sinking start pumping again for the rest of the trip. I was totally gassed at the end. So two things that, that we're missing on this that I that were probably my favorite parts were the fact that after you and I went over that big rock, uh, we yeah. got to the other guy side and the guy said, I told you specifically, don't do that. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I said, you're under the, under the impression that I can control this. <laughs> we're completely at the mercy of the current, which absolutely happened later when you got caught in a jetty. I, yeah, that time the guy got nervous, you, you said. It, so what happens here is the entire group besides Tom and Brock are down below. And there, huh. we're six feet below them. Tom cannot swim. No, uh, Bro- Brock, Brock and I is... were heading for this narrow channel, the two of us, to shoot through out to where you guys were. You remember that, right? Yes. Just... And, and we ended up going next to each other. And he gave me, we, we couldn't both fit. And he came popping out of there and I shot back in with his whirlpool on the top side. So you're stuck in a whirlpool and for a good... Absolutely. I'm spinning around. I cannot get out. Two minutes. And the guides are starting to sort of panic because they all know, and those of us who are below you are quickly realizing there's no way to get back up there. Nope. Um. So through your great intestinal fortitude, you've summoned just enough strength to get out and down to us below. I had, it was all I had for my last effort. That's no exaggeration. I tried, it was spinning around and the current was shooting by. And as you get close to the current, it would shoot you back into this whirlpool. And I'd go around and around and, Finally, I was running. I was completely out of steam. And I was like, I got one shot at this thing. I've got to get out into the stream. One shot. Because my inflatable pontoon was deflating at that time, too. And it's pretty rough in those rapids. And I dug for everything I had. Absolutely all. I had nothing left. And I just made it out into the stream and then popped out. It, you had and one chance. And then I had chance. to start pumping again. It was an amazing story. <laughs> um, the rest of the pontoon trip was, or the 
whitewater rafting was pretty was pretty calm, pretty relaxing. Yeah, I stayed I stayed upright in the in the ducky the whole time for fear of drowning. Uh, you, Brock, and Steve all somewhat intentionally tipped over. That's correct. I was going to say I never tipped, but we tipped. I tipped intentionally at the very end. Yeah, I flipped it intentionally because I wanted to get in the water. <laughs> Got right back in it though. Oh yeah. We, I would say the four of us did as well as you could could have predicted when we started. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coming from flatland, no no experience with anything rapid-like. Or paddling, even. Yeah, exactly. Talk about being thrown into the fire, huh? Out of the frying pan and into the rapids. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time, though. I highly recommend anyone looking to go anywhere to go to Glacier. Glacier is a 10 out of 10. It's the crown jewel of North America. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lot bigger park than what, what we got to see as well. We even got to see one of the last glaciers too. Yes, we did. But yes, we did that on the top of the going to the sun road as you walk out on a kind of a, a long dock like area, you can spot a glacier. Glacier is decidedly a 10 out of 10. It was a 10 out of 10 bachelor party. I think I think uh, the tempo did us well. We didn't get to see a lot on the way there or back. Most as it was at night, completely dark, complete darkness, uh, no breaks on the way back. Yeah, slow and steady won that race. It it did, it did. Yeah, it was a good time. I I like I said, I'd recommend Glacier to anybody. Whitewater so, rafting or just just for a scenic drive. Before I let you go, Tom, anything else on curling you'd like to mention? We've got an open curling night this Sunday. Open like curling. we got a Bonspiel bon on, on the 10th, 11th, 12th. Get your teams together and get down to the Drayton Curling Club and get there tonight on, or this Sunday, I'm sorry, Sunday, November 21st for the Drayton Curling Club's, uh, I'm going to call it a grand opening. It's not a grand opening, though. Kind oh, of is, though. Grand reopening. Call- Grand reopening, and you called it a open night. Yeah, open curling night. Open curling. Come and take a take a lesson in curling from Tom and Pre- Co. Premier ice, the best Premier. ice in Pemina County. You know what they say: clean ice is good ice. That's what people say. We've got clean ice. All right, Tom. We'll talk to you again soon. Yes, thank you. All right, thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Fend for Yourself Friday. Ah, I forgot to ask Tom how he's going to fend for himself this Friday. I guess I know he's going to fend for himself uh, by curling on Sunday and teaching people willing to learn how to curl in the Drayton area how to curl. Uh, Go ahead, go to the Drayton Curling Club on Sunday. Go to their Facebook page, figure out what time it's going to start. Absolutely do not email me at 58225 curling at gmail.com it is not the official drayton curling club email address but i'd like to thank tom for coming on and spending about an hour with me talking about the great work they've done at the drayton curling club again all the questions asked this week including the voice messages will be featured on next week's thanksgiving special i appreciate you guys listening and i'll see you or talk to you on wednesday also before i go I already talked with my wife. Allie and I have decided we are definitely fending for ourselves this weekend by ordering a massive Chinese food order. I can't wait to eat it while watching the UND hockey games. 
uh, and enjoying a quiet weekend decorating for Christmas. It is not too early to de- for decorate for Christmas, folks. Not by a long shot. All right, talk to you on Wednesday. Bye. Give me a diatribe. Just talk for like three, 30 seconds. Oh, 30 seconds of talking. I don't have that much to say. All right, Colton, you threw out two questions via voice and one question. Uh, your mom texts me later. I'll take care of that one first. Who do I think is going to win the NBA championship this year? I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea. Uh, I don't really follow the NBA in any way. But I hear that Steph Curry's having a good season, so we'll go ahead and pick the Golden State Warriors. Please, nobody make any sort of wagers on my advice because I truly don't know anything about the NBA. As far as who won the the Major League Baseball championship this year, I absolutely do know who won uh, the MLB championship this year. Uh, That would be the team of my youth, the Atlanta Braves. I spent many a night uh, sorrow uh, in sorrow, uh, growing up with uh, my neighbor Trevor, watching the Braves not pull off a world championship from the time I was about eight until I guess the time that I was 35-ish, um, when the Braves finally again won the World Series. Now I don't keep up with it the way that I do, uh, the way that I did as a child. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I sent out a tweet the next day that said. Uh, 11-year-old James is elated. Uh, That is true. My younger self would have been extremely happy that the Braves finally uh, won a world championship after I think it was the 1995 World Series. And the other question is, what is my favorite Taylor Swift song? Uh, I can't say it's a landslide because I do enjoy a lot of her songs, but it still has to be uh, the song Red. And I guess I'll listen to the Taylor version now, uh, but mostly that's to make Jordan happy. All right, thanks for calling in, Colton. Okay, that was my niece, Emmeline, that just called in. And she had a couple of questions regarding which one of Taylor Swift's songs are the most successful and the most popular. Now, sort of by a landslide, uh, Shake It Off from her 1989 album is the most popular song she's ever produced as far as, I shouldn't say popular, uh, as far as economic success is concerned. Uh, according to Billboard, it spent four weeks as the number one song in the country, which is a very long time. And it also spent nearly six months in the top ten. Uh, if you remember that year, I think it was 2014, according to the internet, that song was on all the time. And it continues to have commercial success in commercials, uh, at stadiums. Try and go to a sporting event and not hear Shake It Off. Uh, you probably won't. So that's definitely her most successful song. As far as popularity is concerned, um, all the Swifties in my life are going to tell you it's All Too Well. She just released a 10-minute version of All Too Well and actually sang all 10 minutes of it on Saturday Night Live. It was captivating enough that I watched the entire performance uh, and didn't check my cell phone for an entire 10 minutes. So All Too Well is definitely her most popular song. It also just broke uh, the record for longest song to ever reach number one, uh, Beating American Pie, which is an extremely old song that you should definitely listen to. And I'm also glad to hear that Shake It Off is your favorite song, Emmeline. It would be in my top five favorite Taylor Swift songs, but like I told your brother, uh, Red is my favorite Taylor Swift song. It was great hearing from you and your brother, and hope to see you guys soon. All right, Katie, great question. Here, here's my answer. When it comes to unwritten rules at the office, 
I don't really worry about anybody else's. But my biggest unwritten rule is do not make the job of the cleaning staff any more difficult. The people who do, are on the cleaning staff work hard every day. Um, they spend hours a day cleaning up the messes of other people. They take great pride in their work and they do an amazing job. Specifically for my building, I can't say for anybody else's, but I assume they all work hard. Uh, please pick up after yourself. If you try to throw a paper towel in the garbage and miss, go ahead and pick it up. It's really not that difficult. Uh, if you spill on the floor, like I spilled coffee today, I grabbed paper towels and I wiped it up. Also, we have recycling in our building and one of our cleaning people goes above and beyond and actually takes plastic out of the trash and puts it in the recycling. They're all right there. So please, if you have recycling in your building, just use it. And great job by the people at my building. They do an amazing job. So that's my specific unwritten rule. Also, Katie, I'd like to know, uh, go ahead and send in what the unwritten rules are for your office. I would love to hear what unwritten rules in Bismarck are all about. So this question comes from Megan. That would be Colton and Emily's mother. Uh, she wants to know who makes better pies, her or Mama J or myself and her husband, Tyler. This question comes back uh, from probably almost 10, 12 years ago when we were at their house for 4th of July and we had a pie baking contest. Now, I've only really ever made one pie in my entire life. That's not entirely true. Allie and I have cooked a couple of pies. Mostly she's the lead on those because she's a lot more patient and better at reading directions than I am, amongst a myriad of other things. Uh, but in this specific case, I don't remember their pie. And I do remember our pie because we poured Crown Royal into ours and I also made lattice on it, uh, Tyler and I did. I'm not sure if you guys did or not. So I'm going to say we make better pie. At least that day we made better pie. And I've never had another pie contest with you guys. So good job by me and also Tyler. All right, Matt, thank you for sending me a message over text after I specifically reached out to you asking if you had a question for me. Uh, Matt's question is, what's my next vehicle going to be? It's decidedly going to be a 2022 Volvo V90 rechargeable hybrid. I have a personal love affair with the Volvo cars because I think they're beautiful and they're also Scandinavian, just like I am. The Volvo V90 is a massive station wagon. Uh, our neighbors growing up had a station wagon. I love a station wagon. They're incredibly roomy. Allie and I are both very tall. And the thing about station wagons, which is my entire selling point, is they have fold-down rear seats, and the dog can jump in easily and jump out just as easy. Really, this car isn't for me as much as it for, it's for my beloved dog, Miley. So everybody go ahead, look for the Volvo V90 Recharge. Um, at your local Volvo dealership. Uh, and then tell me if you see one because I drive by our Volvo dealership like once a week um, and I've never seen one there. They might only be available in Europe, uh, but don't think that will stop me, even though it probably will. Um, so it's not the most likely vehicle that'll be my next car, but as far as my dreams are concerned, my next car is the Volvo V90 Recharge. Matthew, thank you. And I would love to know what your next car is gonna be. I really hope it is a very fancy sprinter van.
that's converted into a RV. All right, this one comes from my sister Paige. She has two questions. The first one being, who's a messier chef? Me or my dad, who was the feature of the Dear Old Dad podcast, which I cleverly spelled D-E-E-R. Uh, unfortunately, this year I got the news my dad did not get a deer. That's okay. Um, my uncle did, so good job, Kurt. Who's a messier cook, me or dad? I'm going to say it. Talked about it before, I think. It's definitely going to be my dad. Uh, at my parents' house, my dad is known to make a mess and then sort of transfer cleaning up the mess to my mom, uh, who is a very good sport, who always wants to make sure everything is taken care of before she sits down. Uh, that's a trait in my mother's family. Make sure everybody else is taken care of. Very nice. Um, so I'm definitely going to say my dad is a bigger mess maker, even though I sometimes can push it to the limit. I, I still think he's more willing to use a, a utensil once and then put it in the sink. Uh, my, her second question is, favorite fend-for-yourself Friday meal? Uh, for me, it's hands down Popeyes. Popeyes is the definition of fend for yourself. Uh, it is my favorite fast food restaurant. It has the best chicken all the way around. Um, Allie's not a very big fan, so it's the definition of fend for yourself. Um, five piece chicken strip, blackened ranch, side of fries, regular Coke, because their Coke is already like 40 ounces. Um, absolutely delicious, 10 out of 10. Popeyes is the best fend for yourself Friday meal. Sometimes I order that with my friend Mike if we're watching soccer or another sporting event. I'll go over to his house and I'll just look at him and I'll say, are we ordering Popeye tonight? And the answer is just about always yes. Chicken strips abound. Oh, and one more thing. Um, on a previous podcast, I talked about the fruit snacks falling on Miley. Uh, my nephew William wanted to know, was I actually talking about fruit snacks that day? I was. Uh, I do very much enjoy fruit snacks. They're my favorite childlike snack. I also want to go ahead and wish you a happy birthday, William. Allie and I want to say uh, happy third birthday, and we hope you enjoy the gift. All right, hope to see you guys soon. Bye. Got two questions coming in from Bismarck. Uh, well, actually, this will be our third, second and third question because Katie's also in Bismarck, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, these come from our friend Jency. She has two and a half questions. The first question she has is, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side? Easy answer. My favorite Thanksgiving side is Knife River corn. It is a type of corn that my dad or mom uh, hijacked from Gaber's family. Um, it's four cans of corn, one stick of butter, a container or like a flat, whatever you want to call it, a cardboard package uh, full of the good sour or sour cream. I'm sorry, the good philadelphia cream cheese not sour cream philadelphia cream cheese and then a can of uh, hatch chilies or green chilies you put it all together you put that crock pot on low for like an hour maybe an hour and a half you stir it up you can also put it in the microwave for like seven minutes and you have absolutely delicious corn you've taken corn from a i'm going to say the forgettable side to absolutely delicious Every time I bring it somewhere, it gets eaten up immediately. I brought it to our Friendsgiving this week. It was pretty much the only thing that got licked clean. Um, that's an exaggeration, but not too much of an exaggeration. Knife River corn is so good uh, that one of my cousin's husbands, Luke, 
uh, was at my parents' house probably almost 15 years ago now, and my mom dropped the knife of her corn coming out of the microwave, and it fell on the ground. I hope I'm not calling anybody out here. But Luke took a spoon and was ready to go, like, eat some of it from off the floor. Not the part that touched the floor, but the part of the corn that was above the corn touching the floor. That's how good a knife of her corn is. Jensie's second question. It's kind of a two-parter. Uh, first of all, I gave her the first part of the question, and she asked me the second part. Uh, Jensie's famous for what are called chore beers. Chore beers are a thing that you have when you're having a chore. Um, she wants to know when is it appropriate for a chore beer. She also sent me her answer, and her answer for when is a chore beer appropriate is always. Very hard to disagree with that. Um, I consider chore beers specifically applicable to mowing the lawn. Um, maybe laying down some mulch. Anything outside is definitely worth a chore beer. Um, I've been expanding my chore beer realm to like folding clothes. It's not so uh, helpful while cleaning because they have this beer carrying around and, and I'm definitely going to spill it. I actually made a... No, I'll tell that in a second. Um, but chore beers are relevant anytime the chore doesn't involve moving the vehicle. If you are stationary in your home, chore beers are 100% um, appropriate. Where the second part of this question comes in, she also wants to know, how do chore beers fall in with Christmas decorating? Again, chore beers are 100% supported while decorating for Christmas. This weekend, I hung up all of our Christmas lights outside. And this is where you got to be careful. Chore beers are not authorized until your Christmas lights are hung. And here's why. Inevitably, one of the lights is going to be out and you're going to have to take the car to the Lowe's or to the Home Depot, get more lights, and come home. So just hold off on a chore beer until you're sure you have enough lights. Safety first. Uh, this weekend, I actually had a chore coffee, which is where I put a little bit of Bailey's in it. And like I said before about cleaning and spilling, uh, I put too much Bailey's in my coffee, even though it wasn't that much Bailey's, but my coffee was that full, uh, that I got filled to the brim, and I went to grab it and knocked it over, and not all the coffee spilled because of my cat-like reflections, and I grabbed that mug and pulled it up before it spilled all over the place, but enough of it spilled, and this is the first time Allie's hearing about it, so sorry for spilling the coffee with the Bailey's in it, but I also cleaned it up right away, and nobody was the wiser because I made sure it wasn't even sticky. So those are my views on chore beers. Make sure you don't have to go anywhere. Enjoy a low ABV drink. Makes your chore both exciting, fun, and refreshing. Thank you for that question, Jensi. This next question comes from listener Jeremy. Uh, he wants to say, it's not really a question as much as an email he sent to my 58225curling at gmail.com. Uh, Jeremy said, I want to register a team for the upcoming bond spiel that I heard about on that fantastic pod. First of all, Jeremy, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for enjoying the podcast. I talked to the co-star of the last podcast, Tom, uh, just yesterday. He said you told him he ran into a uh, you ran into a local celebrity. I agree, Tom, as a local celebrity, he did a great job. I definitely appreciate you listening to the podcast. And as far as uh, registering for the upcoming bond spiel, I'm going to go ahead and forward this to Tom telephonically because I don't trust Tom checks his email. That coming from the person who created an email for him and he never checked. 
Um, no harm, no foul, but I'll make sure that gets over to Tom. Also, Jeremy is the previous owner of an absolutely amazing early 90s, maybe late 80s era Plymouth station wagon. It's part of where my love of station wagons began with was uh, Jeremy's station wagon growing up. So thanks for listening, Jeremy, and hope making that bond spiel. Good luck. The next question here comes in from Twitter follower and podcast listener, Vobonomics. Uh, Vob wants to know, of these three places, eat at once a week, eat at twice a week, never eat at again. The options are Rhombus Guides, Red Pepper, the Parrot's K. The first one's the one that I'm going to eliminate from my palate straight from the beginning, and that's Rhombus Guys. Uh, we had the Rhombus Guys several times when Allie and I first dated. It's one of our first dates. I actually made a picture frame of our Grand Forks hotspots, and the Rhombus Guys cheesy bread was on that picture collage. Um, Rhombus Guys is good, but it's not one of one. It's not necessarily unique. Now, although their cheesy bread is delicious and their tater tot hot dish pizza is amazing, pizza is common basically everywhere. It's in no way a regional dish. Um, there's plenty of other good pizza in Grand Forks. It's called 746 Pops or Papalino's Pizza. You can do a Papa Murphy's Take and Bake. We don't even have Take and Bakes out here. You can get them from like Sam's Club or Walmart or something like that, but I wish we had a Papa Murphy's. We don't. Um, up north... We could go to, we could order a Deke's Pizza late at night. There are pizza options. Rhombus Guys is my favorite Grand Forks pizza option. Ooh, that's actually, that's actually tough. Um, depending on who I'm with, spending a mid to late afternoon uh, with Tom at the Mike's Pizza Pizza Buffet is probably my favorite pizza establishment in Grand Forks. Just sit there, hammer pizza, two, three hours, um, do a terrible job playing the Trivial Pursuit game. Man, there's also Happy Joe's Pizza Buffet. Normally we'd go there with Steve and Brock, um, sometimes Tom as well. And there's also the Pizza Hut Pizza Buffet that I would frequent in Grand Forks, normally with a virtual golf partner, Matt. And there's Grafton Pizza Hut Buffet, which is no longer open anymore, uh, that I would frequent with Tom and Steve. And we could really put away almost an entire pizza or two pizzas a piece um, at the Pizza Hut Buffet. So no, I'm sorry, Rhombus guys, you are the first one out. The place I would eat at once a week is the Parrot's K. Wednesday at the Parrot's K. Uh, it used to be a pitcher of beer and a pound of wings for I think like 12, 14 bucks, something like that. Parrot's K is amazing. Um, I'll never forget my brother-in-law Micah's six day in a row trip to the Parrot's K where he ate Parrot's K every day it was open for an entire week uh, it wasn't open on Sundays then I don't think so he ate there six days in a row which was a horrifying and also amazing streak um, for me Parrot's K is a once a week place uh, one time I was eating there with uh, my friend Kyle and we were sat at a table with another group which is why one of the reasons I only go to Parrot's K once a week um, and I thought they said go ahead and try some but what they actually said is, you should try some, insinuating that I should order my own order and not stick my finger on their plate uh, and take sauce off their plate with my finger and then lick it. They were appropriately horrified. 
Uh, to this day, I can't believe I did that. Kyle can't believe I did that, but it did happen. I have to own it. Parrot's K is a 10 out of 10. It is one of one. The only wings that I've ever found, ever, that even remotely hold a candle to it is Jimmy's Old Town Tavern in downtown Herndon, Virginia. Absolutely delicious as well. But Parrot's K is still better. The wings are better, and also there's blackjack. I always used to like to play a uh, $25 in blackjack to try to win my supper. Uh, normally what happened is I ended up paying for supper twice because I lost my blackjack money. But Parrot's K is one I would never take off my menu. I'm going on an ice fishing trip to Devil's Lake in January, and one of my goals is to keep the group in Grand Forks long enough for the Parrot's K to open up. It doesn't open until 4.30, but that's my goal. The place I would eat at twice a week, three, four, five times a week, is the Red Pepper. Two soft shell Snyders, I'm sorry, three soft shell Snyders, two cheese tostadas, a side of white sauce, and a glass of milk. That is a meal I could eat numerous times a week. Uh, in college, I did. I brought it up before, but one of the coolest things, I've, coolest days of my entire life was when the cool girl from my intro to psych class, uh, I think it might have been developmental psych, doesn't matter, she knew my order and she started making it before I got to the counter. Now that I live in Northern Virginia, I don't get back to the red pepper more than maybe once or twice a year, so when I go there, I have to gorge myself, which means I order two soft shell Snyders, two cheese tostadas, and a whole everything grinder. It's really way too much food, but when you get the opportunity to eat at an establishment voted as by Esquire as America's best late night dining in America, you have to go all out. So the answer to that is, never eat it again, rhombus guys, eat at once a week. And I'll be honest, I changed this question a little bit. Um, is the Parrot's K and eat at multiple times a week? Red pepper, hands down. Uh, thank you, Bobonomics. And next time we're at a UND destination game, I will be sure to meet up with you to buy you that beer we missed in Nashville. Our next set of questions, uh, I've got four of them, uh, from Jay Rhodes. Jay Rhodes asks, red vines, Twizzlers, or nibs? Never really had red vines very much, so it's definitely going to be between Twizzlers and nibs. And since Twizzlers makes the pull and peel, which is the most ridiculous form of licorice on the planet, uh, I'm going to have to pick the uh, Twizzlers because there's no reason for you to be able to pull apart these licorice things into really thin strips. It's almost like string cheese candy, which now that I say it is very gross to think about. Uh, but I really like the Twizzlers pull and peel. Nibs are great on car rides, uh, but I really like pulling apart a Twizzlers or just taking an entire package and eating a few of them. Definitely Twizzlers gets the number one answer there. Uh, next question is worst commute ever. It says Drayton Curve is obvious, but add another. Uh, the worst commute I've ever been a part of is my wife's commute. Um, Al used to leave our house at like 6.15, 6.30-ish uh, when we were going to the gym in the morning. So she would get home, she'd go to the gym at 5, work out till 6, come home, shower, get to the bus by 6.45, um, take the bus into D.C., work all day, and then get back on the bus at night. The problem was, uh, first of all, the bus in D.C. would drive through the entire city for her to get back out. So there were many nights she would spend over two hours, almost three hours on the bus driving through D.C. traffic. Now, again, she's still riding and not driving, but she wouldn't always get a seat. They're overcrowded. People at the end of the day are smelly. Um, 
there's a bathroom, but I guess the etiquette on the bus is to not use it, even though there's no way I would have been able to make it. And then after she went on this two, two and a half, almost three hour bus commute, um, she'd end up at the Leesburg Park and Ride, which is still 15 minutes from our house on the world's darkest road, Cyclone Road. Uh, she eventually started taking Battlefield. This is very specific Virginia talk. Um, but Allie's commute to and from downtown D.C. was by far the worst commute I've ever been a part of. Opening presents on the 24th or 25th. This is a compromise that Allie and I just struck uh, basically last year. It's a new tradition that I really enjoy. We open the presents that my family gives us on the 24th and the rest of our presents on the 25th, which really is a perfect compromise. It spreads out the present opening over two days. Um, we're able to enjoy the gifts for my family on the 24th and then enjoy the gifts that we give each other or that we get from her family on the 25th. Um, honestly, it's one of my favorite holiday traditions that Allie and I have started. Uh, very, very fun to do it that way, to split them up. Makes everything a little bit more fun. The fourth and final question I'm going to tie in uh, from Jay Rhodes and then into our friend Max. Uh, his question is, how bad is the Gopher hockey team? Now, this is sort of a relative question. I think they were ranked like number 11 um, in the coaches' poll this week. Uh, according to the pairwise, they are number 18. Um, UND is number two right now. Please note, don't ever pay attention to the college hockey rankings. The coaches don't know anything, um, at least compared to the computer. The only thing in college hockey that matters is the pairwise. I encourage you all to disregard everything else because come the Ides of March, the only thing that matters is the pairwise, and the coaches' poll means absolutely nothing. So this week, UND, number two in the country, per the pairwise, will be playing the University of Minnesota, number 18, in the pairwise. Um, how bad is the Minnesota team? I haven't seen them play this year. I would guess they're actually probably pretty good. They're in the top third of the country as far as pairwise is concerned. Um, right now, they're on the bubble. But uh, the experts will say don't pay attention to the pairwise until at least December, since I am not an expert. Um, I'm going to pay only attention to that. They're number 18, so I would like to see UND um, at least get a win or a tie. But as far as good is concerned, um, they are good. They're just my least favorite team. Um, that being said, I do miss us playing them. I miss the old WCHA. I used to hate them. Uh, my passionate hate for the University of Minnesota's hockey team has since cooled as I've gotten older. Um, I don't really know why I hated them. It was just fun to pretend that you hate something, I guess. I wish no, no ill will on any of them, but I would strongly prefer they win. Or when I say they win, I mean the University of North Dakota. I would strongly prefer the University of Minnesota gets beat soundly in both games. As, as far as like our history with the University of Minnesota, um, we've seen good times, we've seen bad times. It's a long-running rivalry. Definitely the worst day of uh not my life but it's the day i call the darkest day i took a very important test that morning um came home and then we played the university of minnesota in the regional semifinals in philadelphia now previously mentioned my friend kyle was there he's from minnesota um, he knows nothing about college hockey 
but he loves Minnesota, so he went. And UND lost with 0.7 seconds left. I'll never forget it. Um, a bunch of my friends were over. Jordy, I think Brandon was there. Uh, my in-laws came in right at the end. Um, my father-in-law wanted UND to pull the goalie with like five seconds left, which I, I cannot stress is not a good strategy in this case. Um, don't pull the goalie. But UND loses the faceoff draw. Minnesota brings it back, uh, scores the game winner with 0.7 seconds left. I call it the darkest day. It was absolutely horrible. Hated everything about it. Um, but, like I said, our friends were there. Jordy was there. Brandon was there. And uh, our friend Max, who the next questions are going to come from, was actually at my house as well. It was an apartment at the time. And as soon as Minnesota scored, he, of course, celebrated, as he should. Uh, and he spilled the beer all over my couch. Which, you know, in no way was anybody mad at him. It was clearly an accident. Um, but it was really uh, the icing on the cake of a terrible day. Now, I, nobody begrudges him for it. It wasn't totally an accident. could have happened to anybody. Uh, it was just actually quite ironic that as soon as they scored, a beer got spilled on my um, $200 ottoman, or maybe even less. So really no big deal, but it was very funny. Um, Again, I've since given up my hatred for pretty much everything. I would prefer the University of North Dakota beats the University of Minnesota this weekend very soundly, though. Um, this is what we call transition in the podcast game. So I worked in Max before into a UND Minnesota hockey memory. I'm going to spin off for just one second. Bad transition by me. We went to the frozen or the final five um, when I was like a sophomore or junior in college, and some drunk Gopher fans. Uh, were very good with my buddy's dad and they also spilled um, a spittoon of chew on the back of the white jacket my mom got me didn't appreciate that do to this day do not appreciate people being rude to Chris and do not appreciate people spilling chew on my jacket uh, shout out to Jordy and JJ's aunt Susie for washing it for me the jacket recovered but that was very gross in no way do I hold the entire Minnesota fan base accountable for that. Uh, but the person who was rude to Chris and the person who spilled chew spit on my jacket, that was not very nice. And I don't appreciate it. All right, back to my transition after my rant. Um, gopher fan and friend, um, fantasy football player, guy I played last week, Max has a couple of questions. His first question um, I don't necessarily totally understand it, which makes me like it even more. So he says, you have eight hours to eat either eight sticks of butter or drink eight cups of yak milk salted tea, and you can't melt the butter into anything. I love the fact that he sent a second tweet to clarify. Um, I'm going to have to drink the yak milk salted tea. Eight cups is like 64 ounces. That's a lot of yak milk tea. Um, but I think I can take that down over an entire day. Wake up in the morning, slam one. Again, I don't like things that are very hot, so I'm definitely going to cool it down. So I, I think I can take down eight cups of whatever that is. Apparently, it's some sort of a, a delicacy, according to the quick Google search I did about it. So I'll definitely take the, the uh, yak milk tea in that situation. The other question is, is one of my favorite questions of the entire day. Uh, it's topical. It's relevant. It was more topical last week when I promised the podcast was going to come out. Um, 
This is based on the great success of Dot's Pretzels selling to Hershey's. So the question he has for me, you sell your podcast to Hershey's for $1.2 billion. What's your first purchase? Great question. Totally plausible. Hershey, I, the ball's in your court. I'm willing to sell. I've been to Hershey Park. Um, enjoyed it. Was a little afraid of the rides because I'm afraid of rides. But that's on me. I would gladly take $1.2 billion for the podcast. So the, like I said, the ball's in your court. First thing I buy. First thing I buy is a lake house at Deep Creek Lake in Maryland. The second thing I do is buy a lake house at Lake Metagoshi, North Dakota. The third thing I do is buy a reasonable house on the beach in North Carolina. Uh, our friends invited us to North Carolina to their beach house in er, late, late May this year, early May. In May anyway. Absolutely beautiful. If you ever get the chance to go to the Outer Banks of North Carolina, take it. It is a great vacation. Um, those are the first things I'm going to buy. And the fourth thing I'm going to buy is a Volvo V90 Recharge plug-in hybrid so I can drive between my lake houses uh, and my beach house. Max, great question. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I hope you have a terrible weekend. College hockey involved. Everything else, I hope you have a great weekend. I just hope when North Dakota plays Minnesota, North Dakota wins, and everything else in your weekend is amazing. All right, our last set of questions come from Jordan and Lauren. Um, this Jordan is what I would call my Jordan. Uh, Jordan, the star of the Nintendo 64 and Peloton podcast. Not to be confused with Allie's Jordan, the star of the Taylor Swift Red podcast. Uh, first of all, bad news for my Jordan. Allie's Jordan has now taken the lead with the most listened to podcast. Uh, it turns out me, Jordy, Nintendo 64, and Peloton um, cannot outduel the overwhelming star power of Taylor Swift and Jordan. Um, the Peloton N64 pod is sitting at 79 listens, while the Taylor Swift Jordan pod with my wife Allie is at 85 listens. So we're going to bring Jordy back on to get those numbers back up. Um, these next several questions um, are from Jordy, and some of them are from Lauren. The first question, would you rather chew gum or ride in an elevator and why? Anybody who knows me knows, well, I shouldn't say anybody knows me, but two of my biggest quirks are the fact that, yes, I am terrified of elevators. Um, I'm basically terrified from anything where the doors close and there are no windows. Several years ago, when I was like 10, I got locked into my grandparents' upstairs bedroom when the door handle fell off. Um, instead of acting rationally, I acted irrationally, uh, ripped a mirror off the door and smashed on the ground, exacerbating the problem because now there was broken glass between us and our only means of escape. Uh, I encouraged my cousin Robin to jump out the window and then run back upstairs and let me in or let me out. Uh, bad job by me. Uh, bad job by 10-year-old James there. Did not do a good job acting rationally. Um, and basically any time from then on, anytime a door won't open, instead of acting rationally, I panic. Um, or chewing gum. Uh, gum disgusts me. It revolts me. The smell of it makes me nauseous. I hate everything about it. That being said, I would definitely rather ride in an elevator than chew gum. I have never chewed gum since I was like four years old. 
I think it was a combination of my mom wanting me to chew gum so my ears didn't pop and also being in a terrifying storm in an airplane. Uh, we had terrible turbulence. I was like four years old. So I think I combined the terror of that first plane ride with the taste of gum or the smell of it. So I've had a very strong um, negative reaction to gum for the rest of my life. So the answer is clear. I ride in elevators all the time. Um, I don't like it at all, ever. Specifically in like, not a Howard Johnson, like a Hampton Inn elevator where it like, it's pretty nice, but also you, there's like 10 people there. Those terrify me. Um, but I ride in elevators all the time because they're necessary or at least a lot easier. Um, the UND music building elevator. I rode in that with Tom when we were in college and I almost, well, I did panic. I almost completely lost it because really slow elevators are the scariest of them all because I can't tell if they're moving or not. Um, I swear I almost had a heart attack. I was legitimately freaking out for the entire like 60 second ride. I couldn't figure out why it wasn't moving. Turns out it was moving just very slowly. Um, but no gum is, I would never chew gum. There's really not an amount of money that would get, make me do it. Um, at least that anybody wants to pay me for 1.2 billion. I would. Um, but no, I loathe gum. I hate everything about it. Elevators over gum every time. Next question is, what song not named party in the USA is your favorite? I am very famous for um, party in the USA is my theme song. Anytime I'm at a bar or a restaurant that has a, the most touch tune players, um, I'll play party in the USA. It's a crowd pleaser pretty much every single time. Everybody loves it. It gets people excited. It gets people going. It's the one time I ever sang karaoke. I sang that song at a friend's birthday um, I did not sign up for it because even though I have a gorgeous podcasting voice, I'm a terrible singer. Absolutely awful. So, so bad. Uh, my friend signed me up to sing Party in the USA at like a birthday party. But in Northern Virginia, we don't really have bars. Not like we have in North Dakota or Minnesota. We really don't have very many. So the few bars that we do have um, have a have a pretty rough crowd, not pretty rough, but rougher than any place else in Virginia I would go to, like a brewery. Um, it's just a different group of people that goes there. Still like going in every once in a while. Um, but they call me up, they start playing Party in the USA, and I start singing at this local bar. And this is not an exaggeration. Anybody who was there can attest to this. Pretty much anybody who wasn't in our group got up and left the bar. People were legitimately walking out while I was singing uh, my favorite song, Party in the USA. Um, so that's a different thing about me singing karaoke. Not necessarily that relevant, but that's okay. You don't listen to this podcast for relevance. Uh, my favorite song, probably of all time, is going to have to be Bob Dylan's Tangled Up in Blue. Um, one of the songs that I play the most if I'm sitting at my house and I've got Alexa all to myself calling out songs. Really big Bob Dylan fan. Have always been a big Bob Dylan fan. So I'm going to give my favorite song of all time um, to Tangled Up in Blue. Favorite album of all time is going to be Nirvana's Nevermind. Uh, it's the first album I really bought by myself. Uh, people are going to be surprised it's not a Taylor Swift album, but uh, it's probably Nirvana's Nevermind. Not by a ton, 
Um, but song for song, I have listened to Nevermind the most. Uh, it was one of the songs I had when I cut grass at the golf course. Uh, it's only about 45 minutes long, so, so I've listened to it many, many times. The next question I've got says, this is, this is definitely from Jordy, I just got the worst haircut of my life. Have you ever had a bad haircut? Yes. You are aware I've had bad haircuts. I've gotten lots of bad haircuts. Uh, I have lots of hair, which is, I guess, good. People like hair. Um, and I have lots of it. The problem with my hair is it's extremely coarse and very dry. It really only does one thing, and that's get poofy. And it gets poofier and poofier. It never really grows down. It just grows out like a dandelion. Um, it's extremely dry and very difficult to cut. Uh, Jordan, the, the hairstylist and my and Allie's friend, uh, cut my hair one time and accused me of having a lot of cowlicks or colics. I still don't know what the answer to that question is. I think it's colics. Anyway, uh, I got very hard hair to cut. And I was never very consistent after high school as to where I would go for a haircut. So many times I would just show up at the local uh, walk-in haircut place and get what my mom would call affectionately a dumb haircut. Um, there were many times I got a haircut and she would, I would come to the car, I would see her next and she would just say, you got a dumb haircut. You got another dumb haircut. She wasn't wrong. I was very bad at describing how I wanted my haircut. I also have a very large forehead uh, that's got a little ridge in it which I'm fine with, no problem. My hair is my head. Um, so it's got to be cut right. So yes, Jordy, I've gotten a lot of dumb haircuts, or bad haircuts as you call them. Um, one of the most embarrassing haircut stories I've ever had is before I went to a job interview, uh, I asked them to give me a shave, and the guy laughed at me because I didn't have facial hair. Uh, didn't go there again because it was super embarrassing. But yes, I've definitely, definitely had a lot of bad haircuts. Um, next question says, Thanksgiving and Christmas are right around the corner. What are some of your favorite holiday traditions? So have a lot of favorite holiday traditions for Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's been harder to get back home from my parents' big Thanksgiving. Uh, that's one of my all time favorite, favorite traditions. Uh, it started when I was about in the sixth or seventh grade. Um, my cousins would come the night before or some of my cousins and the rest of my family would come the next day. Um, we had both my mom and my dad's side at my parents' house. Uh, it was a great tradition. I, I miss it very much, and hopefully it can start up again soon and we can get back for, back for a Thanksgiving here in the next year or so. Not going to make it this year. Um, hopefully in the next coming years we'll be able to make it. Uh, holiday traditions moving forward. I, like I said before, I really like the tradition that Allie and I have of opening uh, presents from my family on the 24th, uh, her family on the 25th, I also like that we sort of have a fun new tradition where we make fondue on Christmas Eve night. Um, love making a fondue. It makes a giant mess. But it's really fun to cook the meats in the boiling uh, cheese or the boiling wine. Um, again, again, growing up, we would go to my dad's side of the family like on the 24th around like 3 o'clock. And then my mom's side of the family... Um, later in the night on the 24th and then the 25th we'd have Christmas Day uh, at my grandma and grandpa Brecken's house. That was a great tradition. I, I definitely miss that. Um, I, I do, again, 
Um, like some of our Virginia traditions as well, we, we like to keep our Christmas Day pretty low-key. Um, we will probably not cook here on the 25th, which is a tradition I really enjoy. Uh, we'll put on movies. Last year we watched an entire movie marathon of all the Lord of the Rings movies. So the traditions Ellie and I have started together um, are also very, uh, very important and very special to me. Um, like ordering in Chinese food on Christmas Day is a really fun tradition that we started last year. Uh, and I hope we keep that moving on for the years to come. Uh, the, Jordi or Lauren's next question, I, mean, I guess this one comes from Lauren, is what is on your Christmas wish list? Well, uh, I asked my mom and dad for a ice fishing rod. I asked Alia for a Nintendo Switch. Because during the Nintendo 64 podcast, we discussed the ability to play Mario Kart together again. And you informed me that you can get a Nintendo Switch and we can play each other in Mario Kart over the internet anytime we want. I would really like to have that ability. I've also made some allusions to really wanting a Peloton. Um, they're very expensive. I would ride it, though, if I got one. Your final question is the question of the podcast. It's really not even close. It's extremely accurate. I did an unbelievable amount of thinking in order to answer this question. Uh, and here it goes. You have a knack for getting yourself into weird and uncomfortable situations. Why do you think that is? And what's the weirdest situation you've ever been in that's safe for the podcast? Really great answer at the end that's safe for the podcast. Um, there are weirder stories I would tell you in person. Specifically one um, involving the University of North Dakota's uh, sign language class that we're not going to tell here. Um, but the first part of it is, well, second part of it is why do you think that is? Uh, part of it is because I talk a lot and I'm not afraid to talk to people, even when I should be. That's definitely why. Um, I take risks that are stupid, like not dangerous, but things that other people wouldn't do, like become an umpire for adult softball. That's, I still haven't quite decided which story I'm going to tell. So I'm going to tell you two. The first one I'm going to tell you is the adult softball story. So uh, you, in this case, Jordy, who I'm talking to specifically, was living with me and your brother in Grand Forks in the summer of 2007. And if you ever met me in college, I wasn't that passionate about working. So I decided that I wanted to work two hours a night and thought the best way to do that was to be an adult league softball umpire. Now, in order to be an adult league softball umpire, you need a pair of black shoes, you need a pair of shorts, you need a, a softball umpire shirt and a hat and to take a test. Now, the softball rules test is open book. And although I'm not the world's strongest reader, that is true, uh, I can pass an open book softball test. So I take the open book softball test and congratulations, you're an adult softball umpire in Grand Forks. Now the money is like okay. I think it's $50 for the first game and $50 for the second game, something like that. It ends up almost being $100 a night 
and this is now almost 50, it's 15 years ago, it's pretty good money. It is not worth it. I cannot describe to you how awful of a job this is. So the first couple nights go off without a hitch. Um, the biggest thing you have to know about adult softball is one of three things happen. Either, well, there's one of three kinds of people that play at least men's softball. People who are there to get way too intoxicated, people who take it way too seriously, or people who don't know what they're doing. Now, there can be levels of all three in one person, but it gets super intense because the people who are very good and are taking it seriously tend to take it way too seriously. Um, you also get people in there with big-time tempers. So probably four or five weeks into doing it, it's going okay, and I'm kind of enjoying it. Uh, until one night when the local bar plays the local health facility in a game of softball. Now, you would assume that the health facility would be mature and that the bar would be slightly less mature but still tolerable. You would be wrong. Um, I'm upping this game and nobody knows how to call balls and strikes. And the other thing is, if you're an adult beer league softball, swing the bat. Nobody wants to watch you walk over and over again. Just swing. It's not that important. Well, the game is sort of close. The bar is ahead by one or two runs. When I get a complaint from the healthcare facility's second base person, literally whining, the guy on second keeps picking on me. He keeps saying nasty things. You need to do something. Well, here's the problem. First of all, you're all adults. I am 21, you guys are older by a significant margin. Uh, second of all, I can't hear what he's saying from behind home plate. I have no idea the awful or not so awful things that the horrible runner at second base is saying to the second baseman um, for the softball game. Okay, a couple pitch pitches go, all of a sudden they start pushing, the bench is clear, and there's a... I'm not going to call it an all-out fight, but a legitimate dust-up between the bar in Grand Forks and the healthcare facility in Grand Forks, both of which will remain nameless. Um, they are shouting, screaming, having a full-on fit for like six minutes over the second base person getting bullied by the second base runner from the bar. And as a 21-year-old, and there are... 25 other adults furious at each other and also furious at you. It was a terrible situation to be in because I have no idea who to throw out. I don't really know what I can or can't do. Um, I think I threw out both players from each team and then both sides were furious because I don't really know what happened. An absolutely, undescribably awful experience. The only bright side from that scene is I was like ancillary friends like friends of friends with one of the players on the team from the bar and he was so incredibly embarrassed that every time I went into the bar when he was working he gave me a free drink from then until I stopped going to the bar every time he'd walk in he would say I, I can't believe we let that happen he's like it was not your fault but I cannot believe that we got into a like not an actual fist fight but a screaming altercation 
with the local healthcare facility uh, team. It was an absolute disgrace. Now, you'd think I'd be smart enough to not go back after that, but I wasn't. I was not. I decided I'll also pick up a few games for the Grand Forks Beer League Women's Softball. Now, Beer League Women's Softball is an entirely different animal to an unbelievable degree. Because the problem you have here is you have women who are incredibly, incredibly good. Like, college softball caliber good at softball. Or they definitely played in high school. Um, Then you have the women who are here for a good time. It's a social event. Whatever happens, happens. It's great. Then you have the group of people that are pretty much there um, for the social aspect um, plus adult beverages. Who do not know the rules of softball or baseball or anything in particular. So I'm umpiring this game, and it's an absolute walk fest. They have walked, each team has walked 15, 20, 25 batters. Um, They're yelling at me because the game is taking too long, but you can't really throw strikes when the ball bounces before the plate or is so far outside that nobody could reach it. So it is an absolute nightmare. Um, the, The people, the women are getting more and more upset with me for reasons to this day I don't understand. Did I do a good job? No. But this is the Grand Forks Beer League softball. You are getting the umpires you deserve. At some point in the game, a girl follows it off, and it flies back and hits me in the face. Um, And both teams cheer as I fall over. I'm not really sure why, but they're both absolutely furious with me and are celebrating, relishing the fact that I got hit in the face. Now, it didn't hurt at all, but I did fall over. And, like, I was laughing because I thought it was funny uh, until the women hurt my feelings by being so mean. So as this game gets more and more progressive and deeper into the game and more and more walks, uh, a woman walks with the bases loaded so a girl gets a free pass to home. The bases are loaded. She gets halfway there, stops, and runs into the dugout. So I'm flabbergasted. I have no idea, to be honest with you, to this day. So I called her out. It has to be the right call. You can't score a run without touching home plate. So I call her out. And she's furious, and her team is furious, except for the two women on her team who know what's going on. And they're like, yeah, no, you're out. You can't, you can't do that. Well, as the night progresses, we're now like in the seventh inning or the sixth inning of the second game. So people have had enough of me um, and enough beverages. So the same woman who decides not to touch home plate doesn't swing, hasn't swung the entire night, and she gets two strikes, and in softball you start out with one strike. So finally I'm like, no, you're out, strike three. And she turns around and yells, you don't have no idea what you're doing. And at this point I've lost my temper. I've had enough of these people. So I yell back at her, don't tell me I don't know what I'm doing. You could have scored on a walk and chose to be out. So then she gets mad and storms into the dugout. So her, and I think most of her team are mad at me for yelling back at her, but I could not care less. So finally it's the bottom of the last inning, and it's a legitimate, like, two-run game. So the other team is at the bat. And frankly, I want them to win. 
because they were being less mean. But I'm also not willing to cheat. So their best player hits it to the outfield pretty far. There's three people on base. The first lady comes in to score. They must have been down by three. Safe. The second lady comes in clearly safe. Now, for reasons I still don't understand, this one woman who was very good at softball and knew the rules is like plowing towards third base like that mattered, like she couldn't have scored from second. She has no business going. She runs past second base when the shortstop from the other team has the ball. Now, if you've ever been to a softball game, you know there's three or four people or three or four really important positions. One of them is shortstop and one of them is third base. And it's evident from the entire day that the shortstop and the third base woman are the best players. So she decides to run from second base. I have no idea why. That's the other part about this this game is that people are running everywhere all the time. It doesn't make any sense. You can't be in the right position because you can't predict what anybody's going to do besides the five really good players. They do everything right. Except for this time when she decides to take off to third base uh, and gets thrown out by like 40 feet. So I call her out. Um, Both teams are furious and yelling at me. And I go home. I, I went back one more time. Uh, and umped one more game and then faked an injury and went home and never went back. Uh, the Grand Fork softball president or expert or umpire guy was furious I left in the middle of the game. But you know what? I don't care. Pound sand. Um, terrible job. Do not do it unless you are a very mature adult. 21-year-olds, don't do it. Um, worst job I've ever had in my entire life. That was a really long question. Uh, a really awkward situation. My heart rate is extremely high, so I'll end it on this. Um, the other most awkward situation or weird situation I ever put myself in um, was definitely at UND when I decided I was going to be a psychology major. So what happened there is I just took as many freshman-level classes as I could uh, until the fall semester of my junior year when I decided I'd better pick something. So I went to my advisor, and he comes in, and he sits me down, and he's like, all right, so uh, how are things going? And I said, you know, they're going great. I just got to decide what I'm going to do. I haven't declared a major yet. And he says, yeah, you did. I said, no, I, that never happened. He's like, no, when you transferred here as a sophomore, you said you were going to be pre-med. And I literally burst out laughing, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I was going to be pre-med. Um, I spent this, the first summer before I went to UND preparing for pre-med, um, by reading the book Angels and Demons um, because I thought that it was really long and if I could convince myself I could actually finish a book of that length I could be a doctor uh, because I thought my biggest hurdle to becoming a doctor was my inability to read quickly um, when to be honest the true um, the biggest hurdle for me would be math but anyway so I burst out laughing and I'm like well it's not going to be pre-med <laughs> we're not going for that so he looks at me and says well what, what do you want to do for school. And I said, well, I don't know. He said, well, it's, you know, you got to decide. So I say, well, what am I the closest to, to getting? And he types it into his little uh, computer and he comes back and says psychology. So I said, boom, I'm a psychology major. Done. And I set my class schedule up and that's how I became a psychology major. All right. That is the last question I received in my mailbag.
I appreciate everybody who mailed in. Um, feel free to send in more questions. Perhaps we'll do another mailbag before Christmas. Um, as far as spending for ourselves this week, it's Thanksgiving. Hope everybody has a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys all to fend for yourself on Friday by eating your leftovers. Hope everybody enjoys the UND Minnesota hockey game on Friday and Saturday night. I will definitely be watching both of those with great intensity. Um, I hope the Minnesota Gopher fans don't enjoy the result but have a nice time anyway. I have no predictions for the game because I don't want to even start down that road of disappointment if we lose. But everybody enjoy your family. Enjoy your weekend. Um, that's all I have to say here. So thank you for listening. Thanks for the mailbag questions. And I, I got to say, Jordy came in with the question of the day. Next came with a second good one, but uh, the last one was the best of the day. All right, thanks. All right, welcome to another episode of Fend for Yourself Friday. Uh, this is my first ever full mailbag episode. It's sort of dedicated to Thanksgiving in a way, um, but also has a lot of random questions that I completely appreciate. Um, I answer about 10 to 15 questions. I think five of them came from Jordy and Lauren. Uh, the last question takes about 12, 15 minutes to explain, but I promise it's worth it. Uh, this podcast is sort of a rush job. I was planning on having more time until I realized that I promised it would be released Wednesday morning. And also, on Wednesday night, Allie and I are going to see the Nutcracker at the Kennedy Center. Super excited to see that. Never seen the Nutcracker before. Never seen a ballet before. Uh, but I can't wait to go. So we're going to do that tomorrow. Um, big weekend as far as UND hockey is concerned. Friday and Saturday versus Minnesota. Really hoping UND comes out with a big win. Um, we're going to jump right into the mailbag because I'm running short on time. So I will see you on the other side. All right. All right. Just wanted to say thank you one more time to everybody who submitted a question. I uh, want to make sure everybody has a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your turkey. Uh, get your brine on today or tomorrow if you're going to brine that bird. If you're going to deep fry it, do not brine it. I think that's dangerous. Uh, just want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, and thanks for listening. Not sure when the next episode is going to drop, uh, but hopefully it'll be in 10 or 12 days, 10 or 11 days. Math is hard. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. This question comes from listener Brittany. She wants to know when is too early to decorate for Christmas. Uh, my answer to this question has moved up in recent years. I would have said after Thanksgiving before uh, the last two years, but now I'm going to say mid-November. Uh, anytime after November, I'll even say 12th, depending on the weekend, is totally fine to get Christmas up. Um, make it as bright as you want it. This year I've got an extra tree full of bright colored lights, as I prefer. Uh, and we'll put the primary tree upstairs with Allie's classy clear lights.